Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Yeah, so I, I played two years. I played my sophomore and my freshman year. Coach Rule was my head coach when I was a sophomore. So I played, you know, all the way to my last game of my sophomore year. I got injured in the last game. Uh, unfortunately, that ended my career. I had a knee injury. And, you know, at one point I, I went up to coach and I'm like, coach, like, you know, they said I'm done. Like, I don't know what to do. You know, football's been my whole life. So he's like, well, why don't, why don't you just help out and start coaching? So I started student assistant coaching um, at the end of my sophomore year, just helping out, doing every everything I can, sitting in the coaches' meetings, you know, coaching the players. So I started out there, and then when coach took the Baylor job, I went down there with him as quality control. I was there for two seasons. And then I left there and took a job at Lehigh University coaching the D-line for two years, which was an awesome experience for me as well. And then uh, go to Carolina with coach for two seasons, and then uh, now I'm here. So it's been about 10 years, um, and a lot of it with coach. That's why you like him. I don't know what you're talking about. Why do, why do I like why do coach, I like coach? I'm hurt. I don't know what to do. Hey, why don't you uh, why don't you try coaching? Uh, maybe stick around a little bit. Help out. Um, okay, I can do that. Now I'm gonna bet on myself and work my way up the ranks. That's a lot of it. That's hey, why you like. It's a lot of. That's it. why you like our guy Rob. Hey, I think he, I think he loves football. And I know. I oh, you to, know he loves football. I used to say this, and people would look at me crazy. Up until about the last seven or eight years, and I would always tell people, just because you're able to do something and you get paid to do it, doesn't mean that you love to do it. Sometimes it's just a means to the end. And I think finding people that actually love playing football, if you can find those guys, you're so much more ahead of the curve. I think Coach Dvorak loves football. If you love football, you're going to stay immersed in the game. I liken it back to something Coach Rayola said the other day, yesterday about the transfer portal. Remember, because... You know, they thought that they were going to get Rouse, and, mm-hmm. and you had some ready-made guys ready to go, and then all of a sudden it changed. And, and he was asked, what, what do you think of the transfer portal? He simply said, do a lot of research, <laughs> right? 
to fast forward to Coach Dvorak. And that's all he said. That's all he said. That was the answer. You know, which was a lot of. Hey man, why do you why do you, you like why do you, you like expand why, on why, that? why do you like Coach Satterfield? Same beliefs. Next question. <laughs> you know, I just was like, even though you know, I think Coach Satter said he's on record, man. He he came to Lincoln wanting to get rid of Coach Rayola. He, he once he talked to him, he's like, Nah, we need this guy, <laughs> right? Because I just think that's how that's how I just think that that's how Dr. is, but. With Coach Dvorak, you have to – it just goes into everything that I believe about this job. You have to love it because what's going to happen is it's almost like this inevitable cycle. You get here, it's fantastic. You're well-received. It's, it's typically for the last 20 years, it's better than anything that you've ever been around. There's this thing to where you kind of get spoiled. You kind of love it. Things come a little bit easy to you on the business end. And then you get into the thick of battle and it's like, oh, my gosh, this isn't what we thought. There's good coaches. There's good assistants. This is a tough league. We have to buckle down. Gosh, I need some more guys and gals that want to buckle down. Swap, swap, swap some guys out. We're not thinking fast enough. Swap, swap, swap some more guys out. Fans become disgruntled. This guy doesn't work hard enough. This can't be a job where you cut your teeth, wash, rinse, repeat. It just sounds like a washing cycle, right? And I always joke with people, that cycle that just spins when you want to shake the clothes up, which is code for getting Nebraska wins, it's called the agitated cycle. So people just get agitated. And you try the same thing and you put it on the same cycle and you just continue to get agitated. So I've always maintained... Because I believe this to be true. Just after listening to so many coaches run, get run through here, my number one characteristic that a coach needs to win at Nebraska is you have to grind. You cannot be a grinder unless you love what you're doing. You, so you can flip-flop it. You can say you have to love it. I just don't know if you can fall in love with Nebraska before you're a grinder. But apparently, according to Coach Rule and his family, they fell in love with Lincoln. At least his wife did. Fell in love with Lincoln. Hey, I want to be here. There's something about this place. Not happen to fit his natural grinder mindset, as you can see. I mean, you ever... He just watches film on a humbug, whether it's on his phone or on a computer. Like, I think he loves football. I think it's really all he knows. Uh, I, and so... When I hear that from Coach Dvorak, my man went to Lehigh to be a D-line coach for two years. I think D-line is one of the weird positions where if most D-line coaches typically only know D-line. I'm serious. It's just kind of weird how that goes. D-line, uh, the, a lot of the D-line coaches I know, they kind of know what goes on back there in the secondary, but not really. They kind of know what happens with the second level, but not really. So I like the fact, and I'm, I'm generalizing here. So I kind of like the fact he started out learning D-line, then backed up the lens to see what happens with second level. Because when you know how those seven guys fit together, or six if you're in a, 
if you've got five in the secondary, you still have to understand how the sixth, the, the, the seventh gets in the run fit. I think you're way ahead of the game because you have to know how those guys work together. You know, a lot of D-line guys, ah, they want to get in the stunt. Hey, man, I'm going to slam in the B-gap, or I'm going to start in the three, and I'm going to get in the two or whatever. And, you know, meanwhile, your insides are like, okay, is this cloudy or clear for me? Okay, am I backside B guy or am I frontside A guy? Like, if you can know how those pieces work together, the better you can be, which is why I absolutely love that Coach White can can coach all three positions and he gets a secondary vantage point because he was a secondary guy. I guarantee you, you ask our secondary, because we play so much too high with an odd front, they know run fits. They know run fits that happen in front of them, and they know what has to happen behind them. Because when you get that big picture, it's the only way you can play good defense. So I like the fact that Dvorak has experience playing or coaching the D-line first. And Dvorak is kind of in an interesting spot, a little bit like McGuire is offensively, where you just kind of don't know what you have just yet. You're still trying to sort out sort out the pieces, still trying to learn what you have, um, and it's going to take all of spring to really figure out who you have and, and who's going to be playing, you know, come and Carolina come played pretty good defense early on. Oh, turn, yeah. Turn, turn teams over. Oh, even at the back end of the yeah. season, they played really well. Uh, but he's looking for guys that have the traits that will play, the size, the toughness, the explosiveness. Um, he, he mentioned change of, change of direction, too. He has Reimer back. He has Henrich back. Uh, didn't dive too deeply into those guys in the transfer portal. But you mentioned something, too, and, and, it, and it's all about learning not only what he wants out of his position group, but what Tony White is wanting out of this defense. Shane, can you play Dvorak 9 for me? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's structured in a way that we can get to a lot of different fronts. We can get a lot of different coverages and in, in many different ways of doing it. So uh, it's hard to describe because we could do a lot of things, but it could also look the same. So um, it's, it's, been, it's been really cool to, to learn the system with Coach White and um, see, see how we could – you know, win on defense. So it's not just about the players in his room. He still has to learn the defense. So if you watched that interview and you thought, man, it seems like Dvorak's unprepared for what's about to come because mm-hmm. he didn't really have a for sure answer on a lot of different things. Well, it's because he's balancing two things now. One, he's learning about his players and building relationships still. And two, it's trying to figure out what Tony White can accomplish because as he said, you can have a lot of different looks, but it all does the same thing. So uh, what does this look, uh, I don't want to say look twice, but what does this look look like whenever we get onto the football field? And I think, you know, I, I don't think he has a great command yet of his personnel either. I mean, listen, you got Fields and Rodgers and Malcolm and Kapai and Guybar and uh, Snodgrass and Henrich and Reimer and Noonan and Prince and Applegate and Gunnerson and Butler and Borders and Waylon and MJ Sherman. Those are just your linebackers and your edge guys. Like that's not even to get in to your nickel guys like Stanger, Gifford and, and, and Buda Wright. Those are all potentially second level guys. So when you talk about now some of those guys are going home, I believe, but but you have to shave them. But 
just to get to know the personal. And it doesn't include, and I didn't even say one of the guys that I think has a chance to really make some headway this this spring, and that's Grant Taggy. So yeah, you like him. Listen, I've seen the numbers. I've seen the numbers. I know he's going about 20 mile an hour right now in terms of top end speed. I know I've watched him in high school his whole career. Like I know his versatility. I know his toughness. See, he's a guy. The reason I like him, it's not even a West Side thing. Promise. Hand to God. It's. Do you know what it is? Number one, he competes. Two, he'll know every position. And in an interchangeable defense, you want a guy that knows what he's doing. You want somebody that's not stagnant. And you know what else? He jumped off the page on special teams. So he already has their attention. So then it's like, okay, do the, do the workouts match what I'm seeing on film? Oh, my, wait. wait. He's faster than I thought. He's, he's pretty explosive. I mean, he's in the top tier of these linebackers when you're looking at MPHs and, and ability to maintain top speed. I'm t- I, I, I like Taggy. I think he's going to play opposite. And, and you need some time, too, until you get Nick ready to go. And he'll have a, there'll, there'll be some young guys that will have the opportunity to flash because they'll know what they have in a couple of guys, and a few are still trying to get healthy. So you're going to have some opportunities to impress. And I think that he's a guy that that's all they need. That's why I like Jamari Butler because I think Jamari Butler's talented. And he has good direction now. Like, there's Blaze Gunnerson. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that 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 I want to see. And I know you're on this MJ Sherman thing. And I hope. Listen, I hope. I hope. I hope he balls. I I don't. I haven't seen enough, right? But between him and and uh, I don't know. I I want. Yeah, I like what I see on paper. They have some numbers. They. They qui- I said this right after, remember, recruiting. I said, does it seem like they've quietly kind of rebuilt the defense on the fly? You still, D-line is still going to be a thing in terms of depth, but, man, they stockpiled on defense. Kind of right under mm-hmm. <laughs> our noses. So I, I, I do, they got a lot of pieces there I think they can play with. Something that we didn't miss were all the wide receiver additions that this team has made. The most crowded position group on Nebraska's roster. Uh, the Huskers added two transfers, a handful of high school signings in uh, the 2023 class as well. And now you also have a coach that is tasked with overseeing this group and he's the youngest in college football. Um, so as we look down the list here, DB, because this was the group that kind of gathered the most interest for us when I've, whenever I decided, hey, Hale Varsity went through quarterbacks, running backs, wide, all the way down the list, even through defense. Offensively, what group interested you most? And it was wide receivers. And the reason for that is the uncertainty that, that is there. With a quarterback, we kind of have an idea if it's going to be one or two. With a running back, we kind of have a good gauge if it's one, two, three. Uh, but with wide receivers, it's like, hey, you lost 50% of your production last season in regards to receptions, scoring, yards. Who takes that spot over? Well, you have Marcus Washington, who is, is there. He's back. But he's the 
only where did I have this written down? I had it right here. Seven Husker players had ten or more catches last year. Two return and only one is still on the team, and that's Marcus Washington. Who's been quiet this offseason? All right, we haven't. I think we, I like, I, I, BC, uh, BC and I, but I talked to him, so it's kind of a cheat code on how he and I think. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Washington guy, and it started last year because I felt like there were some times where it would have been easy for the frustration level to mount for him. Some things off the field, some things on. I thought he was open a lot. Um, and I still thought he stayed the course, made some tough catches, became very dependable. Made some big plays. And so I like him because I don't think, in talking to people that know him, like he's not a fake tough guy, right? I mean, it, my man is Mr. East St. Louis, and I think he embodies that. But the wide receiving core for me is a concern until it's productive because – History shows me that guys get they they just burn through at this position, and it's not one particular coaching staff; it's everyone. So, I would love to give the benefit of the doubt to this staff and just be like blind faith, but it's like kind of like where you're from, the Missouri State. You just got to show me, because something happens in this wide receiving room in Lincoln that doesn't go well in terms of retention which is why i thought it was fair the last couple of days and maybe it's because i don't know him at all but it's why i said you know for the most part i can kind of see the design and the staff but the guy that interests me the most is coach mcguire because i think he's the youngest guy in the room and i won't hold that against him because i mean Dookie Hauser was a real TV show, right? I mean, you can be a young phenom. It's just a tough room. It's, I, it's tough for a young guy to, to, and I know where you're going here, to walk in on a room that's not really solidified. It's just, it's just, and a, make magic happen. It's, it's just, it's a tough room by nature, and I think the good wide receiving rooms are usually led by a guy, an alpha that sets the tone in that room. I think it was a combo of TP and 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 Marcus last year, and it needs its own policing. It's a lot like the running back room. <laughs> it needs its because it's not as natural as the quarterback room and the O line room. The O line room, although we did hear reference to it yesterday, they'd like a natural leader to emerge, right? Someone to kind of just take that room over, which you better get that in a hurry because. The, the more your leaders, I'm going to say this, the closer to the line of scrimmage your leaders play, typically the better you are. Typically. Now, you could have some dynamic guys in the backfield, in the back end, right? You could have a, line, a Ronnie Lott and Ed Reed. But the closer those guys play the line of scrimmage, usually the more it permeates your team. Do you think just my experience? Do you think Billy Kemp is all he's talked up to be based on it's hard. what we've heard? Because I've watched a lot. It's it, it, it is hard because you know he's battled through injuries. He's he, been productive. He's been very productive. Maybe very is not the word. He's been productive, um, but it almost feels like he, he has something to prove too. Well, that's good though. That's the guys you want, right? Right, but at the same time, 
the expectation, at least was, when you got pencil him, him in. was pencil him in as the I, leader. Oh, I hear you. Pencil him in as Mr. Trey Palmer 2.0. Um, yeah, he's not that guy. And he's not. And I don't know if anybody can be. Let's be honest. Trey Paul, what Trey Palmer did in one year coming from the transfer portal was insane. It, it was great to see, and it was cool to watch every single week. But let's not think that recreating Trey Palmer is an easy thing to do. But his work ethic, I would say, is an easy thing to recreate, and that's what Billy Kemp has. But can you pencil him in as that so-called leader? Why, why do we, as a collective group, continue to sleep on Marcus Washington as being that guy because he was there last year and he played a lot? Because, you know, he's not in the front of the podium, and he's not going to be a guy that kind of wowed you with testing. And Remember, he's kind of a late addition last year. Super late. But if Actually. Casey starts, remember the Texas-Texas connection there. Yeah. So um, I just think he flies under the radar. Some of it is just his personality, though. But he's a guy that I would I would hang out with, you know. Um, and I I say that with a grain of salt because it's not a – You only say, hang out with rule. It's not a great reflection sometimes. I mean, I, I do hang out with guys like Oklahoma Tyler, so it's like – yeah, you know, sometimes I make some concessions. Um, I kid because I care. But there are a lot of guys that are on the clock, man. Sean Hardy. Yeah, uh, that's you know, another one. Janarian Bonner. Scout Victor, team player of the year in Victor, Victor Jones. Uh, Xavier Betts. Like, those guys are on the clock. So, it should be highly, highly competitive. I do think Doss is a baller. Um, you know, uh, Would you say there's a short leash for guys like Hardy and Betts? Yeah. And, yes. And, and players. In, uh, so I in think that I think those four that I mentioned: Bonner, Victor Jones, Hardy the third, and Betts. Like clocks. Would IGC be up there too? Oh uh, yeah, clocks definitely ticking. I just don't know how. I just don't know how patient these guys will afford to be in year one while you're still carving out the 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 culture piece because it has to fit it, you you can't get year one wrong because it's hard to go back and recalibrate we, we we saw it try to get reset a couple of times shoot basketball couldn't do it until they swapped out guys baseball is trying currently <laughs> they have it's, a lot they have a lot of season ahead though it, it's hard to pull a shock of smart where you just recalibrate the expectation level with the exact same guys with just good old-fashioned development these days and basketball may not be a good example because it's such smaller numbers it's very difficult to do to recalibrate the the culture post the first year with the same guys take some super self-inventory so i think coach rule and his staff are banking on getting it right the first time around with 16 scholarships currently on the roster this is actually a question I don't know. What's a good number to settle Wait, they're at? down. They're down, right, because they lost Elante Brown. Is it at 15? I thought, ooh, I thought, was they, were they at 17 before him? I think they were at 16. Were they 16. at 16 before? Okay, so. I could still, be wrong. I could be off. Even it's still. within one or two. 15. What are you looking at numbers-wise? Where are you going down to? I think they want to get, I think you have to have nine guys. I, was, I had that number in my hand. I think you nine have to have guys. nine guys that you can play. I really do. Now, it's a little bit of a luxury, but you got to think, if you go some four wide 
in practice. You know, empty. Ramir, some of these guys are going to be in, backs will be in empty. You want two good groups where you can go four deep in a, a piece. So it's about nine, give or take, a a, a sore gron or a, a bad hammy or my growing or back or something. Like you want to be able to have nine, I think. High school products are in the room as well. You have Malachi Coleman, who is one of the more gifted, pure athletes in the room. You have Demetrius Bell, Jaden Doss, who is a guy that you really like, mm -hmm. Jeremiah Charles. I mean, those are three athletic receiving prospects. And then you Bryce. have the multi-sport the multi standouts in Bryce Turner and Jalen Lloyd. Yeah. who I think as they kind of understand the college game and the route running, it'll be interesting to see if those guys can play fast. There's a difference between being fast and playing fast. I see some guys that aren't as good on the clock, but they play pretty fast. Coach Satterfield wants depth, but not just in a number. He wants different. He wants diverse skill sets. When we come back, let's talk about the Brandon Miller situation. That's next. Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.